I walked in here Wednesday night, and, and after all the years of ministry, I, I don't know what it is lately, but I saw this pulpit, and this great feeling came over me about how important what I do really is. This is going to be one of those going to be hard to hold together. So if I weep this morning just because it's my heart, that's what I want to share with you. You ever been riding up the road and Jesus get in the car with you? I have hidden, I've hidden this for a week. I think sometimes it's best just to keep things to yourself. I've talked with Tony and nobody else about what I felt like God wanted me to do this morning. Um, don't know why. I mean, every now and then things just kind of come along and, and they seem ridiculous after a day or two, but then you know that it's the thing to do uh, when the time comes. I, I heard a message this week and a great preacher was talking about the sower and the seed and he said, the sower went forth to sow. And he talked about him scattering the seed and about where the seed fell. And he made this statement right here. And those of you who teach, you need to listen to this very carefully. Because he made this statement, I, th I think it's absolutely true. Is it easier to steal the seed after it's been sown or before it's sown? And I just this morning, I made up my mind, I am not going to let the devil steal the seed this morning. It would have been real easy to kind of go on into the book of Jude and finished up. Thanksgiving's coming up, Christmas coming up. But, but I think God gave me some seed to sow this morning. And here's the thing. God hasn't called me to evaluate the seed. He's just called me to scatter it. Proclamation is my job. Not evaluation, not outcome, not all of that stuff. But there's just been several things going on lately, and, and, and I know that this will, this will probably resonate with some and, and others. Uh, I think you'll kind of get the, the, the impact as we go along. But let me ask you a question. Last Sunday morning, I heard one of the best messages I've ever heard on why I need a church. Can I ask you a question? Seriously. How many of you, when you left here, just forgot what you had heard? A lot of us do. A lot of us do, and it kind of brought me to the conclusion that says we are... We have come to the place where we have become hearers of the Word, but not doers of the Word. And, and I don't mind telling you, there's some things that led up to the message last week that kind of had been shaking me already, but I couldn't get away from that one. I, I just couldn't. Uh, especially the part that it talks about the Valley of Baca where springs are dug. And, and during those dry times in our life, how somebody who's gone before you have dug a well, and they're going to drink from that well when they come through that valley. 
called Curtis. And I said, I never understood 14 years ago when Michelle passed away that 13 years later, Curtis and Abby Carter were going to come along. God was going to put us right next door to each other because they were going to have to drink from the well that Lee and I had dug. So, as I'm riding in the car and as I'm thinking about what's going on, I couldn't help but think about this, this idea that I have written on my board in my office that says that we are investing in people for eternity. Every little touch that you make in the name of Jesus is investing in somebody's eternity. So I don't know where this is going. You're going to say, well, when you get done, it's going to be Gary's been all over the place. But I've got some things I want to share with you this morning. There's some things that, that are going to, that I haven't shared with Lee because I didn't. I wanted her to hear, hear it too for the first time. But um, James 1.22 tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And when we become hearers only, we deceive our own selves. We're deceiving ourselves when we just hear and don't do. Be doers of the word. What does the word say to do? Then do that. Let me give you two things here. Just, just, just two uh, quotes that I jotted down that I read during the week. Loving systems or loving programs or loving events. Okay, and we've got a lot of events coming up. We've got um, uh, women's tea. We've got gathering. We'll have Easter at the Ridge coming up. Listen to this very carefully. Loving systems more than loving people for Jesus. For Jesus, the individual always comes before the program. You, you have a, a circle of influence. Everybody does. Your circle of influence, I suspect, is a whole lot like mine is. I love on the people that love on me. I try to avoid the people that don't like me. I try, to, I try to be around the people that I'm comfortable with. That's my personality. That's just the way I am. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to, if you want to grow or expand your circle of influence, then you've got to get outside of your circle of influence. Jesus, always, Jesus was always concerned about the ones outside of his circle. Not the ones in his circle, not the ones that, not the ones that you know, we're always talking to, the ones we're always with. The fact of the matter is, and I don't, I don't think it's a good thing, I don't think it's a bad thing, I think it's just a thing, but most of us believers, we don't know lost people. We just don't. Uh, and I think sometimes that's okay, because that basically means that, listen, we are... There is a sense in which there are areas in, in life that we are to be separate from. We're, we are to be different. But there are also people who we don't, we don't have in our circle who, are, who sit right here every week. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 13. I want to show you something this morning. I'm going to talk to you just for a little bit about investing in people for eternity. I want to show you some principles about how that we as believers can expand our circle of influence. 
Your circle of influence is always bigger than you, but there's always room for more. But when we, when we become closed off to the people who are around us, then the fact of the matter is, is we, we miss out on something that God really wants to do. Now listen to me very carefully. In this story, Jesus is walking among the people. Jesus is not walking physically among people today. You say, well, well Jesus did that. Jesus can, yes, he certainly can. But the Bible also tells us that we are his ambassadors. You, you want Jesus to come and touch people and, and, and um, open, up, open up our church and grow our church? Listen, it ain't going to happen unless we begin to understand the principles of which Jesus used to expand his influence. Now, here, here's the story. It's found beginning in verse 10. Loving systems is more than loving people. Number two, see, I'm just jumping all over. This story makes it very clear that Jesus was concerned with the immediate solution to suffering more so than waiting. And I'll show you why. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, probably uh, Capernaum. And there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and couldn't straighten herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Then he, said, then he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But... Look at that, circle that, but the ruler of the synagogue, the president of the synagogue, the, the guy who's the head of the synagogue, answered with indignation. I, I, I've always looked at that, and I thought when it says, and they answered him, the, the problem is, is there hadn't even been question asked. There's a whole lot of people that are willing to answer when the, when the question hadn't even been asked, okay? Number one, he had no business opening his mouth to begin with. This is not about him at that point. So he answers with indignation. In, in other words, he was, he was angry. He was, he was ticked off. He was all out of joint. Why? Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. You know, the Pharisees did a really good job of simplifying God's commandments. They reduced the Ten Commandments to 613 of them. And now all of a sudden, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work, seven days rest. Uh, yeah, we get all that. But, but, but this man is torn up because... Jesus has healed this woman. There are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on those days. Another, come Monday through, come Monday through Sunday or, or Sunday through Friday. There's plenty of days to be healed. Why do you want to do it on this day? And Jesus said to him, you two-faced pretender hypocrite. 
Oh, yeah, Jesus, meek and mild, right? Uh -uh. Uh, Hypocrisy, the word hypocrite comes from a word that means two faces. Play actors would never show their, their face when they were in this play or whatever they were doing, they would always wear a mask. And, and so here's a guy that's wearing a mask. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is let, me, let me just, let's just get this clear. Jesus sees through it, okay? So, so, so let's just quit playing. Jesus sees through it. You, you hypocrite. Doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath untie an ox and his donkey? from a stall and lead them away to water. The, the Pharisees and the Jews especially believed in caring for your animals. So here's an animal. And you untether them. You care them to drink water. Should not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, and, and, and look at this, whom Satan has bound. Whom Satan has bound. I'm going to tell you something. When Lee and I lost Michelle... Good Christian people trying to help, trying to be nice. If we had followed through with their reasoning, would have believed that God killed our daughter. Okay? Um, sin, sin, that original sin, is what brought all this stuff into the world anyway. So he says, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be loose from his bondage on the Sabbath? When he said this, his adversaries were ashamed. Ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I just want to run through here, and then, then I, have a, I have a very personal story I want to talk to you about. I want you to see, first of all, in verse 11, this woman is a cripple. Is a cripple. In verse 16, it says she was bound. Now, we know, obviously, that this is probably a, a physical ailment. But folks, I'm going to tell you what, even things that are mental, things that are psychological can bind us. The devil uses those hurts and those things in our life to bind us, to tie us up. And, and, and look, let me tell you something. Look around this morning. There are people sitting in this service who are bent over double. She was a cripple. Verse 11. There was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. For 18 years. Can you imagine the conversations that she would have with herself? First of all, this is the way it's always going to be. It's going to be like this from now on. My wife and I believe that lie. You say, well, why? Why, why, do, you, why do you keep mentioning Michelle's death? It wasn't any worse than anybody else's. No, but I'm going to tell you what, it impacted us more than it did everybody else's. And we fell into this. It's always going to hurt. It's not ever going to go away. It's never going to be normal again. The devil comes and he talks to you and he says things to you that just aren't true. 
And we sing songs like we sang this morning, and yet deep down in our hearts and our souls, we wonder if that's true. If what we're singing is really true, because we can't see past the pain and the heartache right now. She was bound. Verse 16. Then should not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, she's bound. Number two, she is bent over. Can you imagine a woman who lived 18 years of her life, and we don't know how old she is now, 18 years of her life, that all she could ever do was look down. Have you ever been around a group of people this size and, and, and seen people who they just can't lift their heads? They just, they, they can't get that head up. They can't look you in the eye. They can't talk to you face to face. They can't come to their place in their life where, where, where they can open up their hearts and, and, and tell you where they're hurting. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to show you something here in just a minute. It's not their responsibility to tell you. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a lot of times it's not their responsibility to tell you. She was beaten, verse 11. She was just whipped. She had 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten herself up. I wrote some things down that cripple people. Now, I, I, I suspect we're talking about a woman here. I suspect men struggle with the same kind of things. But let's just say she was a woman who had experienced divorce. Been through a terrible divorce. And is suffering because she's been rejected by the man who told her he would love her till death do them part. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I don't understand. I do not understand whatsoever how a husband and wife can be married for so long and then just lose total contact with each other because somebody gets mad or Somebody says the wrong thing. By the way, in, 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 the, in the day that Jesus lived, Jewish men could divorce their wives for burning their toast. All he had to do is go in the public square and declare three times, I divorce you, and she was an outcast. But I'm going to tell you all something, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to say this with all the sincerity that I can say it. It's time for the church to quit beating people up because they are divorced. Do I need to say that again? Okay. You know, listen. You know why? That woman's been beat up because of it. You know, let's just be real. Let's just get real. This is real this morning. I'm here. What about, maybe she was a battered wife. Maybe she was a woman who had no self-esteem whatsoever. She had just been... Been cussed all of her life, told how sorry she was all of her life. Can you see her after 18 years? I'm going to tell you something. You beat on somebody down long enough, and I promise you. I promise you, you'll, you'll beat them down. She's beaten down. She can't lift herself up. We look at people, I, we look at people and I heard, listen, I heard a story where this lady who was really struggling 
with the loss of someone in her life, went to a Bible study. And the lady in the Bible study said, y'all just need to get up and straighten up and get on with your life. There's a woman who's never lost anybody. You get over it, yes. But there are always scars. So, so maybe she was a battered woman. Maybe, maybe she was just a woman who, who had a low self-esteem. Maybe she was just someone who's never been treated like a woman, who's always been, you know, never had the nicest clothes or, look, or looked the nicest way and, and was always a reject in school or, or laughed at. We call a lot of that bullying now. But, um, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the way it was. I'll, I'll never be anybody. My daughter was in her 20s. She said to my wife one day, will anybody ever love me? She was, her self-esteem was about that much. And I'm going to tell you what, God in His grace sent this guy along that just loved her, although it was only for nine months. She had everything she ever wanted. A girl who couldn't look you in the eye after a few months of marriage was straight and confident because somebody just poured a little bit into her. Maybe it was some sin. Maybe it's some sin in her life that just got a hold of her and just wouldn't let her go. She opened the door maybe as a young woman and, and allowed the devil to get his foot in the door. And I'm going to tell you something, young people, listen to me very carefully. If you ever crack that door when he gets his foot in there, I'm going to tell you what, you just about near got to cut it off to get him out of there. It takes some drastic, serious things to do to get, to get the enemy away from you and off of you. Maybe she was suffering from depression. How many people suffer from depression? I'm not talking about clinically. I'm just talking about just the blues all the time. For whatever her conditions were, maybe she was just lonely. Maybe she was just lonely. Nobody can explain to you the loneliness of going home to an empty house after your spouse has died and explain the loneliness that you feel when nobody's there. I'm going to tell you what, it'll beat you down. It will just flat out beat you down. This is, that's the woman, okay? That's the woman. But I want you to see the Christ here. And here are some, there are some principles here that I want to show you, and then I want to challenge you. The Bible says in verse 12, Jesus saw her. Listen, do not... Do not skip that little old phrase right there. Jesus saw her. Now, let me ask you a question. And you know what? We're being honest this morning. We're being honest this morning, okay? And it's okay to look around. And if you'll just be honest, can I just ask you all a question? Any of y'all ever felt invisible? Just raise your hand. Folks, look around. I want you to look around. There are multiple people here this morning who just 
have been in situations before where people just look right past them. This woman was probably in the back, not in the front. Now look, when Jesus went places, he drew big crowds. They had heard about the healing. They had heard about his miracles. They had heard about all that he done, all that he had done. And so this woman, she just creeps in. Maybe it's because of, of, of uh, uh, Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. And she just loved going to God's house because that's where she felt significant. That's where she felt belong. That's where she felt loved. That's where she felt like she belonged. Can I tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church? I don't care if they're visitors. I don't care if they've been here for 25 years. If they're sitting in a chair this morning, this needs to be a church where they feel like they belong. It needs to feel like home. But too many times we walk in, don't we? Because we don't know that person and know that person's name or that person's not looking at us. We just give a casual glance and move on. And they remain invisible. He saw her. There was a crowd. She's at the back. She is invisible. Can I just say to you this morning, if you're here this morning and you have felt that way before, you are, you are not invisible. The eyes of the Lord are falling on you this morning. He's looking. He knows. But folks, because He knows, we ought to know. This is a relational this is a relational uh, um, faith that we have. Our, our faith is built on a relationship with Jesus Christ and the sharing of that relationship with others. She is, he saw her. He said to her, now here it is, woman. How long had it been since somebody called her a woman? She certainly didn't feel like a woman. I suspect that along the way, that she probably didn't feel like she was valued at all. He said to her. All right, now at this point, He's spoken to her. Number one, he is treating her with respect. Number two, he has honored her with his comment. And number three, he has recognized her worth. Y'all don't know all this. God's, God, I'm riding in the car and I'm getting this stuff. I had to run home to write it down. This is what the Lord sat down beside me and showed me. He said, well, did you see him sitting there? Well, no. Did he speak to you audibly? No. But I'm going to tell you what, how silent was it in that car coming home? It, it was silent. I'm going to tell you the hair on the back of my neck was standing up because I'm going to tell you something. Our church needed to hear this message. And so I'm just scattering the seed this morning, okay? Listen to me. He saw her. He said to her, woman. Now look, I get it. I get the culture that we're living in today, but I'm going to tell you what. Woman, when Jesus speaks it, is a sign of respect. Nobody in the whole universe ever has raised the status of a woman more than Jesus Christ. 
And for us not to recognize the value and what Jesus places tremendous value on, folks, it's a sin. But something very interesting happens here because when is she healed? He touched her. He touched her. You see, if we're, if we're doing some things along the way and we're recognizing people and we're being nice to people, but we never, ever get to that next level of touching and I'm not talking about, you know, touchy-feely. I'm just talking about making a connection. Just making a connection with somebody. You know what I'm talking about? To, to make a connection with somebody. Listen, do you think Jesus was busy? Do you think Jesus had his hands full with all these crowds and everything they were wanting for, from him? Sure. And I'm going to tell you something, the biggest lie out of hell that, that, that we are bombarded with daily is I can't do that because I am too busy. I don't have time. I suspect that all of you, if you were to think about it just a little bit, would think back and go, um, well, you know what, now that I think about it, I had a moment here, and I had the moment there, and, and God just put this person right in front of me. And um, y'all believe in divine appointments? I mean, really? Okay, just, just hold that thought then. She wasn't healed until he touched her. Until he touched her. Now I'm going to get real. Okay, I'm going to get real. We're having women's tea coming up. We're having shepherd's gift coming up. I, 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 look, I understand. I, I totally understand that this has everything to do with women right now. I get that. Two years ago, we had decided, Jan and I got together and we had decided that we've got to change our mentality a little bit. This has got to become a worship service. This has got to become a time of, of worshiping. But I'm going to tell you something else. We need to take it to a new level this year. We need to take it to a new level of recognizing and touching. Now, look, I just want to say this to you. Listen to my heart. Because, I, I, look, I love to walk in here. I love to walk in here. I love to look at the table settings. I love to see how all of you women really decorate those. A table decorated with fine china is not going to bring anybody to Jesus. People bring people to Jesus. And you don't know. Maybe there's some woman sitting across from you who needs a touch. Don't get so all caught up in the, in the fanfare. Don't get so all caught up in all, of the, in, in all the beautiful stuff. And it is beautiful, and it's lovely. Tanya's going to speak on Friday night, but I'm going to tell you what. 
Somebody is going to need to be sitting at that table touching those people with the reality of the message. Being doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. You know, patting them on the back. Oh, I hope you heard that tonight. Boy, that, wasn't that really good? I, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what make a, what's going to make a bigger impact. How can I pray for you? Tell me what's really going on in your life. Tell me your story. Calvary. We've quit doing that. It's time to get back to doing the Father's business. I know, look, it's two nights. I know it is. We shouldn't have to be fretting over not having enough tables. We should be fretting over having too many tables. We shouldn't be fretting over having enough men to serve. We should be fretting over what we're going to do with all these guys that are serving. You have an opportunity to serve, to touch, to recognize, and God can use you and your touch to bring healing. I'm, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not here trying to make you ashamed. I don't want you listen, if you're ashamed, that's what happened to these guys, right? What will be your part? I'm not, listen, this message is not about promoting women's ministry, y'all. It's just not. It's just the beginning of what will happen to a church. If we will in a small way grasp the touch of Jesus and the significance of the touch of Jesus, how we will have to just, I don't know, have multiple services, open doors, bring out chairs, whatever it is, because I'm telling you something, we'll start seeing the invisible, we'll start touching the hurting, and we'll see Jesus begin to do miracles in their lives. But folks, let me tell you something. Jesus ain't going to come down here in a physical body and do that. That's why he saved you. Lee hadn't heard this story.